0: Hi everybody. Welcome to PR Masters, a podcast series sponsored by the Stevens Group and Compro. I'm Arch Stevens, your host. In this podcast series, as you're well aware, we honor legends in the world of public relations, individuals who have left an indelible mark on the role and progress public relations has made in the world. And today's honored guest is no exception. She is Helen Shelton. Helen is the Global Chief Diversity Officer at Finn Partners. She created the firm's award-winning Action Speak Louder program in service to its 1,300 employees and strategic partners around the world to advance DEI at Finn Partners and for its clients across multiple business sectors. At Finn, Helen leads a 100-person DEI committee managing four strategic pillars – which include inclusion and employee engagement, volunteerism and civic engagement, recruitment and higher education, and thought leadership. In addition, Helen is head of multicultural marketing and is responsible for consumer-engaging programs for a variety of sectors with a particular expertise in health technology and consumer goods. Helen is a very passionate and dedicated DEI strategist, Serving as a trusted point of counsel for corporations and brands facing DEI challenges and crises, both internally and externally. Helen works tirelessly in the industry not only to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion in both the corporate and nonprofit sectors, but also to advance important causes ranging from health and education to education disparities, domestic violence, voter education, and access to the arts and culture for underserved communities. Helen has won many, many awards in our industry. they are really too numerous to mention. She's won awards and honors from PR Week, from the New York Urban League, from PRSA New York, and from the PR Council Diversity Program. So it's my privilege and honor to welcome today a leader in the world of DEI and agency public relations, Helen Shelton. Helen, how are you today?
1: I'm well, thank you. It's so great to be here with you, Art. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, we couldn't do a PR Masters podcast without including you. You know that. Oh, thank you. So, Helen, your work has been obviously in the forefront of uh, the public relations profession for you know for a while, for quite a while. I've always been familiar with you and your agency. So, tell me about what you are currently doing at uh, Finn Partners, and also a little bit about where Finn Partners is in terms of its position in the industry.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, great question. Uh, thank you. Currently, I am the global chief diversity officer for Finn. And we are, uh, as Peter Finn would say, we are an agency that operates with a heart and a conscience, and it is his vision for us to make a difference in the world, to commit to diversity, to collaborate, to work hard and play nice and all of those things, and to be responsible communicators and marketers in all that we do. So my job is really to work across our entire global network at Fin to ensure that we are uh, in alignment with those principles particularly as it relates to diversity equity and inclusion this is a much buzzed about topic these days but for us this has been a day one commitment it's not a day after commitment we're not reacting or responding to anything rather this is something that's inherent to our culture it's really part of our dna And our place in the world, I'm very proud to say, Partners is celebrating 10 years of being in business, 10 years of being at the forefront of these important conversations as it relates to these issues, whether it is about diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, whether it is about addressing issues as it relates to CSR or ESG or sustainability, all of those things we've been talking about and advocating for from the very beginning. And I would say that we are all aligned sort of in this commitment to purpose and to making a difference and, you know, obviously to having a successful enterprise as well.
0: Helen, could you describe some of the programs that you carry out in that enable fin Partners to take a, a giant lead in the world of diversity and inclusion? Any specific sure. programs that you've uh, created and developed?
1: Yes, uh, our signature program is Partners for Diversity, Actions Speak Louder. For us, we really drive the past the fast lane of rhetoric into the action of making a difference when it comes to increasing, and I'm not afraid to use that word, increasing, not advancing, not enhancing, but increasing diversity and representation in our industry. So our program has evolved since, you know, over the last several years to become truly highly respected in the industry. And in fact, my colleagues in HR and some of my colleagues, you know, on the account side, they tell me how people that they interview for prospective positions and new hires, they say that one of the things that attracts them to SIN Partners is our work and diversity and our commitment as such. So our program really is focused on several key pillars. So we have Civic and community engagement and volunteerism. And that's where, as a company and our employees, wherever we live, wherever we are, we make it our business to not only advise clients on how they can make a difference in the communities where they do business, but how we can make a difference. So we do several initiatives around community engagement and volunteerism, not just around, you know, sort of major milestones like Pride or uh, Juneteenth, where we have over 150 Black businesses that we support, not only Juneteenth weekend, but throughout the year, but also for issues where we call it rapid response. You know, when we were seeing so much of this uh, hatred and and um, violence uh, against our AAPI, brothers and sisters and people, uh, we took a stand and we made sure that we include in our employee matching donation program, civic organizations that are in place to address this issue on civil liberties and rights of all people, including the AAPI community. So I'm very proud of that. We also work in the area of recruitment and education. Uh, We have a very robust scholarship program where we work not just with HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, but other minority-serving institutions, and we align those scholarship programs to where we have offices. Our very first program in this area was with City College of New York, as you are familiar with, in honor of uh, Peter's father, Davidson, who is a distinguished alumnus of CCNY. He graduated in 1942 in 2016 we launched our Finn Partners Diversity Award at CCNY and since that program was established we award two outstanding students with a scholarship but also an internship and since its inception about 98% of those students who have come through that program are receive full-time offers to work at thin partners oh, and that's I, wonderful just, that's I, wonderful yeah it's literally like watching a garden grow and oh, my. to yeah and peter was very inspired by this and so he said listen what else can we do and i said listen peter let's think about how can we replicate this program in other cities where we are so he was like okay So, we ended up expanding the program and we are now working, uh, we have a similar program at Fisk University in Nashville where we have an office and uh, it so happens that my colleague who is on our global DEI committee with me, Dean Fisk, his family uh, started Fisk University in the 19th century and so it just was a wonderful set of circumstances that brought us to this place. We're now Fin Partners is uh, sponsoring a scholarship and job program at Fisk. We also just are about to announce, very excited. This hasn't even been announced yet. We are working with the University of Oregon, their Linquist School of Business, on a new scholarship program in honor of our wonderful colleague Wendy Lane Stevens, who is actually retiring. Uh, she's a managing partner at the firm, and Peter, uh, we acquired her agency a few years ago, and we're just so inspired by her and her work, and so we are launching a new scholarship program with them, and then we are also looking to expand the program to also include Florida A&M University in Tallahassee,
0: Florida. Wow, what a wonderful program, and uh, I gather you're the person who's putting it all together and, uh, and helping to manage it and facilitate it?
1: Yes, so I am. I mean, my job, you know, I kind of get involved in in those kinds of things because, you know, it obviously requires a lot of planning and and there's a process and we we go about our DEI work really strategically. So we create a strategic plan every year with a budget that is approved by Peter and senior management. But I must also say that we also work very closely on our inclusion and employee engagement work. That's another pillar of our DEI program at Finn. And then of course thought leadership is another important part for us. But the reality is I cannot do this work alone. It's wonderful, and I'm very lucky and blessed to have a CEO like a Peter Finn who this is part of his vision, and so he supports it with great authenticity and great passion. But Even so, even with that kind of endorsement behind me, I could not do this work alone. So I have a steering committee that consists of myself, Ronald Roberts, and Amy Coles, who's our global head of HR, and Ronald is a managing partner out of our national office, and then we have a 100-plus person global DEI committee of colleagues. This is all employee-driven art. So this is literally, I think, the best and most authentic way to do this work is when you have that support and endorsement, people that actually work at the agency. And these are people that, you know, they have full-time jobs, you know, they have full client workloads, and yet they take time to get involved in these different pillars of our diversity program and get out there in their communities and really commit themselves to making a difference
0: wow you can be very very proud of that i mean you know clearly Finn partners has uh, received many accolades you know for the work it does for diversity inclusion and also quality of life you know for its own employees so you're a great agency there's no question about that one that I, I have admired for many years thank you tell me how you got started in the world of public relations some people get into it by accident some choose it what's your story
1: well it was really by design and you know everything that I've ever done in my career I did it because I asked for it and I prepared myself for it so you know I came of age in the late 80s early 90s when everybody was either going to be a money person or a lawyer and you know I took the LSAT and I did very well on it but I realized I was like I don't know if I really want to be a lawyer and it just so happened that uh And when I was an undergraduate, I signed up to go to this talk that a legendary woman by the name of Donna Krivis, may she rest in peace, was hosting about the communications program at Boston University. So I'm, you know, a New Englander at this point. I'm born and raised in New York City, but I was educated in New Hampshire. And I figured, well, let me give this a shot. I can stay in New England. I love it here and see if uh, I can get into this program. And she was like, Helen, you know, you have a really strong background. You should apply. And by the way, we also have a scholarship program. It is not needs-based, it is academic-based. There is no application. The jury just looks at the pool of applicants uh, and decides, you know, we pick two people out of the entire incoming class to give this scholarship to. And I thought to myself, well, my dad would be really happy about that because, you know, after four years of an Ivy League, Ivy League tuition, you know, I could give him a break. So I didn't think any more of it. I applied to the school. and. Lo and behold, I not only got into the school, to their School of Communications, I was one of two people to receive the scholarship award from RKO General, and at the time, RKO owned General Tires, but they also owned RKO Pictures and RKO Radio. So I thought, wow, this is great. Long story short. I got my master's degree in communications from BU. I worked at uh, RKO's, some of their entertainment properties, including Kiss FM radio in New York, which is a legendary radio station. And I, I hold my skills as a communicator, as a promotions person. You know, I was an intern, but I got really great skills in terms of understanding uh, what it means to um uh, see a campaign from beginning to end, and from there I kind of always knew I was. I have an art history degree. I did my research, and I knew that Ruder Finn had a well-known arts and communications council is the name of the practice practice that specialized in cultural PR and marketing. But as luck would have it, uh, they did not accept trainees in the Ruder Finn training program, which is also legendary at the time. But I applied anyway, and guess what? They placed me in the healthcare. I got into the program, and in fact, uh, Amy Bender interviewed me, her and Frank Walton. And I thought that was cool. I'm like, wow, I'm meeting with Davidson's daughter. I thought that was really cool. But anyway, I got into the Lutheran training program, and I was like, you know, I really want to be in arts. And they were like, well, they don't take trainees, but we can put you in health. And I went in there kind of kicking and screaming because what did I know from you know, ear infections and hypertension, but (laughs) I went in there, you know, and I took the job and uh, had some wonderful mentors, Susan Smirnoff, you know, a, a whole bunch of people that helped me in my career. But most importantly, somebody very important who did not position themselves as being much as being important to me, but as being kind is Davidson himself. So somehow he found out and I found out everybody knows that he was a great lover of art, and he was a wonderful photographer of sculpture. He somehow found out that I had an artistic background and that I loved art as well. So he asked me to be a research assistant on one of his books and then another one of his books, and I did that while I was still working as a healthcare uh, trainee. And so when the training program ended that May, I think, they asked me did I want to have a job as an assistant AE in healthcare, and I was like, well... Let me talk to David. So I said, David, you know, I heard that there's an account executive job open in arts and communications. He was like, Well, maybe I can, maybe I can see if I how we can get you at least an interview. Maybe I know somebody over there. So I was like, Okay, thanks, David. <laughs> so he arranged for me to have the interview. Long story, I got the job, and it turned out to be just a wonderful opportunity for me to this day, Philip so, Polskin. You know, you cannot get anywhere in a career in your job and life without mentors and this is before anybody really thought about mentors or diversity or whatever but looking back i realized that i was very very lucky you know i had the moxie uh if you will and i've always kind of you know been a hustler in terms of look, going after what i wanted my father taught me that but uh i've been very blessed or to have people that have taken an interest in me and given me a shot and when somebody gives you a shot, you can't just be standing there holding the bag. You got to stand there and have something to add to the bag. So I worked for Philippa Polskin, and she remains probably the toughest boss I ever had, but I learned so much from her in terms of being working really hard, uh, doing all that you can for your client, and delivering on what you promise. And that's what I've taken with me all these 30 years later. And then fast forward to another wonderful person that I worked with when I left Ruderson to move to Chicago for a life change. I ended up getting to know uh, Lois Weisberg. Lois, the late, great Lois Weisberg was the Commissioner for Cultural Affairs for the city of Chicago. And she somehow took a shine to me, a liking to me, and hired me to be Assistant to the Commissioner of Cultural Affairs in publicity. So my job was to promote Chicago's vast cultural and arts programming that was everything from the Chicago Blues Festival to Taste of Chicago to, you know, all of the live performances that they have at the Chicago Cultural Center, which is the former um, Chicago Public Library. Then I came back to New York, came back to Ruder Finn, and in 2010, Peter asked me, you know, would I like to uh, join Finn Partners? And I said, absolutely. And not only did I join Finn Partners, I worked in healthcare, still using my healthcare skills and working on major, major initiatives and campaigns around uh, health inequities and health disparities and forced my own way. I was able to um, utilize my expertise in uh, multicultural and cross-cultural marketing and communications and understanding these audiences, the demographics and the psychographics of these audiences to make a difference for our clients products and services. And, uh, you know, it's been great ever since.
0: You know, Helen, it occurs to me that you have had the good fortune of being mentored and supported by both father and son, both David and Peter, two icons in the industry. What did that feel like?
1: I know that. And I'm just, sometimes I just say to myself, wow, but to be honest, I've now, and I don't want to date myself here, Art, but uh, you know, I've now worked with, three generations of the Finn family, okay? Wow. Starting um, with David, who, you know, then Peter, and also now his son Noah, who's also part of the senior management team. He's a, uh, a founding managing partner. But what's interesting is that from day one, he too has been personally committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I, you're right. I have been very lucky. And did I know that these were icons? Oh, absolutely. And it's interesting because these are people that, has helped open doors for me. But like I said, it's, it, they did not look at me and say, oh, wow, you know, we feel sorry for her. She, you know, they, they. I had to work for it. So anybody that has worked for David or for Peter or Philippa or with Noah knows that for a seat at the table, they expect you to deliver and they expect you to, you know, be your best and to really adhere to the values that they created in the founding of this agency. But I never had to worry about, you know, my place there, or if somebody was, you know, not um, being respectful to me because of whatever, like I always knew that I had that kind of support. And I'll say that David certainly is an icon. Peter is an icon. Peter is probably one of the smartest people that I know in business. And I always tell him that, and he already knows this, he doesn't need me to say it, but I love to see people have a vision art and they turn it into a reality. Like we all can have a dream and we all can say, oh, I'd like to have my own agency, or I'd like to have an agency that has these kinds of values, or I'd like to focus on this. Well, he actually said it and he does it. And not to mention the work that he's put into the Catskill Mountain region where he and his family have lived or have uh, been had roots there for over a hundred years. And what he does is he exposes all of us to it and leverages that so that we can have access to these resources as well as our clients. And it just makes for a really great environment. So, you know, I'm lucky to be in a place that the values are in alignment with my own personal values and that I'm given the opportunity to chart my own course but also to be part of something bigger.
0: So, Helen, if you combine the years that you were with Ruder Finn and then, of course, on to Finn Partners, how many years were you with both?
1: Well, okay, so the truth of the matter is that I have been in the PR business for over 30 years. I literally started the day, literally the day after I graduated from graduate school. Prior to that, I actually also did a lot of other things that, now that I think about it, could be considered PR. I mean, I worked as an intern, a fashion intern at Seventeen Magazine. Uh, oh. As I said, I worked at the Kiss FM radio. But the funny thing is, the thing that prepared me for all of this was probably my very first job, if you could call it a job, because, well, it was it was hard work. It was, I was literally a stable hand in a horse barn uh, in New York City. Oh, my. Absolutely. So I grew up in Harlem, uh, very humble beginnings, but for whatever reason, my parents, if you ask them, they won't be able to tell you, I'd always been obsessed with horses from the time I could remember. In New York City, there was a uh, iconic stables called Claremont Riding Academy that Paul Novograd, again, somebody else that was influential in my life, he took over, and I was taking riding lessons there for many years from the time I was little. And one summer, my dad said to me, well, you know, uh, these riding lessons are a little bit expensive. Why don't you go down there and see if Paul Novograd has a job that you could do down there? And I was like, okay. So I asked Mr. Novograd, listen, are there any jobs? So he's like, yeah, you can be an assistant, stable hand. So I go there the next day in my boots and my overalls and whatever. And, you know, no longer was I in my slick riding habit. I had on jeans and everything, hair pulled in a ponytail to come down there and do work. I, I had to take care of six horses every day. After the first week, I said to my dad, I said, Daddy, I cannot do I said, this is so hard. And, you know, my father said to me, he said, this is a good experience for you because now you know what you don't want to do. So it was the most difficult job I've ever had, physically speaking, but the most rewarding because my job was to literally, I was responsible for six Horses, feeding them, cleaning them, exercising (laughs) them. and But at the end of that, I also had to do my riding lessons. So it was a lot of work. So uh, I often look at that time as a very formative time in my life and uh, my career choices because I don't know. I'm never off. Sometimes I, I say to myself, you know, maybe I'm pushing myself too hard. But that experience taught me that in life, you have to work hard and the things that you want in life come with a price. So, you know, it was a wonderful experience and then I went on to I actually integrated the writing team at Dartmouth College, the first Black person to be on the writing team, and that was that was a very very formative part of my life as my childhood and my uh young adulthood.
0: You know, you've been in the field for like uh some 30 years, something like that and how has public relations changed since the time you started and where it's at now? You know, obviously we're aware of the role technology has played and and uh, the different forms of reaching out to both constituencies and uh, the media and what have you. But in your view, you know given what you do how, how do you feel that the profession has changed?
1: Well, I think to your point, the technical aspects and technical and the technological aspects have certainly changed and been advanced. But the one thing has remained consistent, and I tell this to people all the time. You have to be excellent in all that you do in PR, and that's consistent. Um, you know, a consistent commitment to excellence in the things that we write, um, in the things that we say, in the preparation that goes into our creative planning and in our strategy, it has to come from a place of excellence, a place of commitment, and a place of authenticity. You can't just, a lot of people think that PR now, because everything is digital and fast and social media, that you could like file it, you know, you could, you could you know, you know, mail it in or jot it down or, or write it in, you know. you got to be present. So that is something that I encourage younger people that are starting out in the industry. There are no shortcuts in this work. Uh, you've got to do the research. You've got to do the background. But you also have to be nimble. And that's what I love about the changing dynamics that our this technology and our digital platforms enable us. It enables us to be a lot more nimble and a lot more able to respond and to be proactive to the world around us. I also think that a change is that it has made us it's increased the connectivity. It, it has allowed um, our industry to connect people, not just where we are, but all over the world and rapidly. So that's something that I happen to really be fascinated with, and I, and I love that about our industry.
0: So, you know, fin Partners obviously has a, a number of global offices. How do you think the rest of the world has done in catching up to, let's say, the pioneering role that the United States has played in the advancement of public relations? What do you see overseas?
1: So there is extraordinary growth, really, all over the world uh, in our industry. I mean, obviously we have – Offices throughout Europe, Asia, Israel. So, you know, and, and it's funny because we just had a leadership summit up in Hunter uh, Hunter Mountain, and we were able to talk about some of these trends and some of the issues uh, of our of global colleagues. And I would say that, you know, everybody is advancing. No, I can't, and I don't know, I don't have all the answers, Art, but I can tell you that I don't know of any part of the world at this point that is necessarily lagging behind and is not keeping up with, it's just keeping up with the advancements in our industry. But certainly there are parts of the world where there is, you know, freedom. There's an issue with freedom and the rights of people. So I can't speak for those countries. But in the free-thinking world, uh, I believe we are on a par, and it's very exciting.
0: Yeah, I remember the days, you know, when – you know agencies in uh, different parts of the world even in the in you know in the free thinking countries in Europe and Asia and what have you we're really far behind in terms of you know what we did here in the US but obviously from both my observation as well as yours so that's not the case anymore i gather
1: Yeah, you know, and honestly, because I guess I look at things from a a diversity lens before there was even such a word of diversity, I don't even presume that a Western perspective is necessarily the right or the only perspective. I happen to be a classically trained art historian, so I can tell you anything you need to know about high Renaissance and mannerist art. But the reality (laughs) is I am also, but I also am very deeply uh, inspired You know, by non-Western cultures and how non-Western cultures and civilizations express themselves and contribute to our global landscape. So, I don't necessarily think that we have all the answers here in the West. I'm, you know, I'm 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 very proud to be here. I'm a proud American. You know, uh, but the reality is, we don't. We're not the only ones with all of the answers.
0: No, we're not. No, we're definitely not. (laughs) You know, And speaking of all the answers, here are a couple of other questions that I'd like answers from you. And these have to do with you, Helen. People who work in agencies, of course, are very busy like yourself and have a great deal of responsibility. What do you do when you're not at your desk working on behalf of uh, Finn Partners? What are your hobbies? Do you have hobbies? What are some of the things you like to do on your own time?
1: I love – well, okay, when I do have my own time, and I'll tell you something – Art. This whole pandemic has really blurred the boundaries between, you know, your work life and your private life. So I'm always on in terms of, like, I'm always accessible and available to clients and colleagues. But when I really do have my downtime, I like to do things that are nothing too exciting, really. I love art, so I spend a lot of time looking at art, museums. I love reading. I'm always reading. But I'm also... Uh, really interested in um, gardening, so I work a lot on our flower beds here. I'm obsessed with identifying the perfect hydrangea and trying to make that happen <laughs> for myself. Yeah. And also, you know, I'm a cancerian, so I home is very important to me. So I love to cook for my family and friends. I love trying new recipes. And lately, I've also um, been working on, you know, on myself and, and reading things to, uh, and, and really getting, getting back and renewing uh, my faith. This has been a really tough time for me personally and for our, for our society and for our world, and I find that understanding um, and embracing spirituality is a big help. I'll say I'll give a shout-out to my colleague, Gil Bash. He is a wonderful counselor and friend. And often of it's somebody that I can talk to about matters of the world and of the heart. And he always provides a wonderful spiritual perspective that helps me have a refreshed outlook on things.
0: Well, you've got some great colleagues there. I know Gil well, and of course, I know, you know Peter well, and a bunch of other folks. You've had some mentors and heroes along the way. I know you mentioned a, a few, but let's talk about your heroes, people that perhaps you— haven't met, you know, but have looked up to in terms of what they've been able to accomplish in life. Who are some of your heroes?
1: Well, I've never had to look outside of my own realm. My hero is and always will be my father. Ah, okay. uh, I My parents, my parents taught us that we don't, in other words, we meet all kinds of people. We admire respect. We believe that you, you have to treat everyone with respect. When I was a young child, You know, I was educated. I went to my uh, local elementary school in Harlem, PS 197, and I was selected to be one of the kids to take this test to go to Hunter College High School uh, when I was, you know, 10 years old. And uh, my mom took me to take – I remember it was a very cold day in January. We went to take this test, and I was the last person out of the room. And she was like, well, how did you do? I was like, Mommy, I don't know. I said, I've never seen – any of this work before it was really hard she was like well okay well let's go get something to eat so I didn't think anything more of it and then I got into Hunter and I went to this place and it was like a whole new world and I'm saying this to say that I was with people I was surrounded by all kinds of people from all different backgrounds and I hear I you know it's a little kids from Harlem my parents took us to museums and they you know we, I was not ignorant at all but it was a different thing I opened my eyes to things that my friend Peter Carlin he's I'll never forget uh, when we came back from the holidays. He was like, oh, we went to Switzerland for the holidays. Here's some chocolate from Switzerland. And I just was like, wow, that's so interesting. It was like, you know, so it just, so, but the point is like I was, I, so from a very young age, I met all kinds of people, but it never, and he said, oh, what did you and your family do for Christmas? I said, well, I was at home with my grandparents uh-huh. and my, my great grandparents and we had, my mom cooked, you know, I never was, and even if growing up riding horses, I never was impressed by what other people were doing. Like people would say to me often, Well, oh my God, you went to Dartmouth College or you rode horses or you know, you or you, you know, you were this is so such a white community. I don't look at things like that. My parents sort of, wherever you have a seat at the table, you can have a seat at the table where you want to sit down. Nobody can keep you from doing what you want to do. And if they try, it they have to come through us. So I never felt uh, less than or inadequate, or I never had to look up to anybody. But there are people that I do admire, but I don't look at it like, oh, they're better than me. Or I, just, I look at my father as my, will always be my hero. He was 19 years old when I was born. My parents were married for well over 50 years. He taught me everything that I needed to know and do in order to succeed in life and to be tough. He taught me that you have to be tough in life that you have to be kind in life and that you fear nothing and nobody except God. And that's how I've lived my life.
0: On oh. That's wonderful. Oh gosh. I have one final question for you, Helen. This has been terrific. Where do you see Helen Shelton in the years ahead?
1: Well, I see Helen Shelton continuing to be committed to making a difference in the world to, you know, I've been very lucky in my career to literally make A career out of making a difference. So, I've worked on campaigns like we just did this major initiative called the Say Their Names Memorial, where it's an augmented reality exhibit that's traveling around that shows people that have lost their lives due to racial violence and injustice. And uh, it was just in New York Central Park. And Finn Partners came on board as a sponsor of this project. It became part of our DEI work and so i just see myself you know god willing uh being able to continue to do that work and you know to be there for the people who need me
0: and helen you're certainly with a great agency fin partners obviously is highly respected and highly successful and uh, you're an integral part of that success so helen on behalf of our pr masters uh, podcast listeners Thank you so much for sharing today. Your insights are gonna be invaluable to those who are considering public relations as a career because your excitement and your your sense of what public relations contributes is very, very contagious. So thank you for being with us today, Helen.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Art, right, many thanks to you and to Fay.
0: And thank you all for joining us today. I'm Art Stevens, your host and managing partner of the Stevens Group, signing off. And we will see you soon with the next PR Masters podcast. Until then, take care, everybody.